Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes, this is the community for you. Okay, so today I'm not talking to a surveyor on the Survey Hub podcast. I'm talking to Sarah Dwight and you're a conveyancer, aren't you? I am. 30 years sitting in the high street. Um, slightly alarming that I now have clients who were born in 1990. Whoa. Um, oh, so that I've been sitting behind my desk for all of their lives. So that's when you realise how long you've been doing something. Yeah. So all I do is residential conveyancing. And whereabouts are you based? In Birmingham, an area called Hall Green, which is South Birmingham. Uh, most of my properties are sort of in the Shirley, Solihull area. So nice, nice area. You know, that's where I first started out after I qualify, um, after I got my degree, I got right. my first graduate job. I used to work in uh, Leamington Spa. Yes. And yes. Um, I, used, I can't remember where I used to live, somewhere <laughs> south of Birmingham, but I drive through Solihull to get there, wherever it was. So it's a nice area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Small world. Small world. Yeah. So, so I'm really interested in surveyors learning a bit more about not just surveying but the business that we're in which is to help people with their homes and which is why I've got conveyancer on a survey hub podcast so most of these podcasts about are about surveyors in their business um, and other challenges they face and things like that but I'm really keen to to widen that conversation and I think that's how I got to know you really Sarah was through Kate Faulkner's home buying and selling group wasn't it it was. I'm very lucky because I sit on the Law Society Conveyancing and Landlord Committee, which is the committee that helps to write the conveyancing protocol and look, you know, guides solicitors in conveyancing. And it's a it's a really good opportunity to get involved in other projects. So from that, I was asked to go on to the home buying and selling group with Kate Faulkner and was lucky enough to meet you. So thank you. Oh, that's all right. And Kate Faulkner owes me a podcast interview. She did say she Oh, good. She's very good. I was doing the park run a few weeks. Well, when it seems like a few weeks ago, but obviously it was months and months ago. And I was listening to some Radio 5 interviews about house moving. And she just popped up on that as I was just running around the park. So um, that was quite funny to hear her on there. Yeah. And for those of you who, who haven't come across Kate, we'll save it for another time. But she's she's not a surveyor, but she's a really supportive public figure out there who, who, who thinks a lot of us. And we don't have many champions out there, I don't think, publicly. So I'll save that for, uh, for another podcast. So a couple of questions I want to, uh, want to ask you. What is the difference between a conveyancer, a lawyer, a solicitor, a property lawyer, or whatever you call yourselves, what, what what's the differences? That's the sort of question that my daughters ask me when they ask me what I do, and then they'll say, "Is a solicitor a lawyer?" Because obviously they hear all the generic terms. 
So I qualified as a solicitor in 1990. So after two years of doing what at the time were called articles and now are called training contracts. So I am a solicitor. I think a generic term lawyer is anybody who perhaps works in a lawyer's office in a fee-earning role. Conveyancer, obviously I'm a conveyancer, but a conveyancing solicitor Um, You could be a licensed conveyancer, which would mean that you would follow a different route to qualification and principally just do conveyancing. It's in, it's that's really difficult question to answer actually. So well, you know, I'm, one. I'm getting quite good at being, you know, a bit of an interviewer now. <laughs> well, no, I well, no, I ask because yeah. it's a bit of a minefield to understand. It is, and that's why yeah, I can't answer does. it. Yeah. So, are there different levels of qualification? How do you know if the person you're instructing to do your conveyancing mm-hmm. is a good quality, experienced one? And, and that's the completely, that's a very different question be, in a way, because you can have people that do conveyancing who started off as secretaries and have worked their way through the firm, as it were, and sort of then done exams as they've gone along and become better, you know, better qualified at dealing with it. And I think for something like conveyancing, where you're dealing with the public, being able to cope with the stresses that the public are experiencing when they're moving house is very important. So in a way, secretaries working their way through firms and working up through firms is is really good because they've got the sitting at the desk dealing with people being stressed experience. I think most firms would put the qualification of the person who would be handling the transaction under the footer on their letter. So there are some firms that would say case handler. Mine obviously just says solicitor. But you have all manner of people dealing with it. And I don't know whether you have the same in surveying. That's the thing, whether you have, you know, you would have trainee surveyor or you have associate surveyors, I think, and they yeah, have yeah. different so, levels. So, yeah, so we have, yeah, yeah. So we have trainee surveyors, but really, until you've got an, a qualification, an RICS qualification, your that affects the kind of work that you can sign off on your own, I guess. But similarly, you don't have to be an RICS surveyor to call yourself a surveyor. You can you have to be RICS to be a chartered surveyor. You have to be RICS associate and above to do lender work but you can work your way up and there are lots of people out there who are very experienced but don't have those 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 qualifications in in the same way and in the surveyor hub and at blue box you know I always say I don't care what flavor of surveyor you are so long as you're doing the best thing for your customers you know doing things ethically and, and in the right way you know I think sometimes we can put too much of a a spin on you know having a, a posh toff degree and and those things and and actually people who have worked them way up like the secretaries you you described you know they will be much more intuitive and have much more sort of life experience to be able to know what actually goes on through a person's mind when they're buying a house than than somebody who's just qualified and has never bought their own property and the the same thing happens with our surveyors you know, there's a lot of space who actually cannot afford to buy their own home. You know, it's a big fallacy that we're all rolling yeah. in uh, in money. One thing you mentioned there that I really hate is the word case handler. Oh, yes. Because they're not walking around carrying cases, are they? No. <laughs> don't work on the baggage <laughs> section but, of Luton Airport. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think it, it's bad for the 
public in a way. So if somebody's a case handler, they don't actually, like somebody buying a house doesn't know what a case is. And if you say, well, that's part of my caseload, I think that's more a word that you would use in litigation. It makes it very transactional. You know, you're just a, a case, you're a physical thing, you know, that, that, we're, that we're dealing with. And it takes it away from actually people, you know, and it's a service that you're providing just like as a surveyors. And we've got to stop that language. You know, we talk about diversity and changing the language that we, that we use, but we've got to change it all, all the way through. It really makes a difference. And yes, but a bit of a bug, bugbear on, on mine. You're a member of our Surveyor Hub Facebook group, I aren't am, you? I am. You're resident, you're our yes. resident conveyancer. Yes. And uh, for those of you who follow it, I'm on Facebook in my married name to avoid clients being able to find me. So I'm very lucky. I have two names, which causes my children when they were little, they found it really hilarious that mummy had two different names. So I'm on there as Sarah Riley. So you will have seen me comment under that. And I think this, I think that Facebook page group is great. And I have actually learned quite a lot about what surveyors do and just the depth of knowledge that you guys have to have. You know, I see pictures of roof tresses and things and um, and I've learned such a lot that I can then just put into my work. And I hope that when I comment on things, I think there have been questions about restricted covenants and things like that, that I've been able to put a bit of um, the legal spin on. I hope it makes sense. And seeing how, you know, our jobs work together and we're we're like two pieces of a jigsaw that have to lock in for the client's benefit. Can you be converted, Sarah? Can we convert <laughs> you to a surveyor? You're well, in the I like nerd zone behind. I'm not an outside <laughs> person and I don't possess any ladders. I see that ladders and drones and you have all this fancy stuff that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a geek fest sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's really good to have to have your input and insight Thanks. into some of the, the things that we, we deal yeah. with. And it, for me, it's all part of this sort of breaking down the barriers of us as an industry working in silo, yeah. you know, so that we, we understand what goes on and, and doesn't. Tell me a bit about through your work, how you might interact with surveyors. Do you recommend certain surveyors? You know, what, what are your interactions with them? That's a really interesting question because when I first set up my own firm um, in 20 years ago, in April 2000, I was persuaded to do so by a surveyor. And he had said, come and work in my office. You can have a room. I've got a spare room. Come and work there and you'll be like our resident conveyancer. But we, you know, obviously we've got to keep everything separate. Um, It was really interesting to see what a surveyor did on a day-to-day basis. So I learned a lot from him and he persuaded me, like I said, to set up my own firm. When I then moved to my own offices, uh, once I'd got established, I made sure that anybody who needed any sort of surveying work, I felt obliged to him because he had been so helpful to me. So I recommended all my clients to him and he retired during, he's retired during lockdown. I think he enjoyed lockdown a little bit too much and decided he was staying in lockdown permanently. And I did actually put through on the surveyor hub, if there's anybody out there who can, who's in my area, can I recommend clients to you? I always insist that a client has 
an independent survey done. I'm very conscious that the mortgage lenders are doing it valuation. It's often drive-by or I think you call it red book. That's one of the things I learned from him. And sometimes the mortgage valuers don't even go in the property. Clients don't understand that. They assume that the surveyor always goes into the property and has a look around. And if the surveyor says it's okay, it's okay. So I'm really keen to make sure that my clients are educated to know that's not how it is and to guide them towards an independent surveyor. And a few of your members local to me um, have volunteered their services and I've started recommending work to them. Now the market has picked up again. And I always ask to look at the surveyor's report um, because as I also point out to my clients, I'm pretty much the only person who never sees the house that they're buying. And all I've got is a pile of papers and a few photographs. So it's really important for me to work with the surveyor. And I do say to my clients, if there's any questions you've got, if you're thinking about extending, if you're concerned about anything you've seen, tell the surveyor before he goes because then he knows that you're looking at it thinking of buying that property for a specific reason, or you've got a particular concern about it. And I think clients like that guidance and they like to think that the surveyor and solicitor are on the same side and working together to some extent for their benefit. So I think is it section I, which is issues for legal advisors? I I tell the clients, I don't go into the report in any detail, but I always go for the valuation section and the the section for legal advisors and advise them appropriately on that. That's really interesting because I don't know, and maybe you get some feedback from surveyors out there, I don't know how many surveyors know the solicitors, you know, or or have or understand that they can have that relationship with solicitors because you've got a client in common. You're both working towards the same direction. There's no sort of conflicts, so to speak. Exactly. You know, a a few years ago, I was involved in a project looking at uh, doing surveys differently. So, you know, if we had to redesign a report, what would it look like? And I went all out and made it colourful and and those things. And it was a really interesting experience, in part because I was coming from claims. You know, how do you prevent claims? But also my bag is very much customer experience and People talk about customer satisfaction and, um, you know, getting it right for the customer, but actually it's all about customer ease. How easy is it for a customer to do business? How easy is it for them to use the service that, that's been provided, read the report, et cetera? It's all about customer ease, which is a really hard, hard thing to, um, to measure. But one of the things that I, I came across and, and worked out is that, you know what, you can make these reports in any coloured paper, sparkly writing that you like. But if you don't work with your conveyancer or work, you know, uh, look at that, look at that relationship, you will always be referring something back to legal advisors to check. So there's lots of improvements that will come in with a new home survey standard, which is coming in in now December uh, 2020. Obviously, obviously it was delayed a few months. Um, You know, there's some great improvements that will happen. But unless as an industry, we really look to work better with our legal partners and and conveyancers, we're just going to be passing things back and to. And so for me, a new kind of report and service would actually be a, you know, is the possibility of a blended service, a blended conveyancing service. I don't know what that might look like, but it's definitely something that, that, that people need to, to explore. And just to move away from this, this passing the buck all the time. And 
I don't know how many surveyors actually know that they can speak to a uh, conveyancer and that conveyancers can speak to the surveyor and that might be actually beneficial for your clients. And I, I always say to the client, if they want me to speak to the surveyor, I'm quite happy to do so. And they're all, you know, they're, they're happy that clients don't mind because I think at the end of the day, like, like you say, I'm very driven by making sure my clients have a positive experience of moving house because so many people tell you their horror stories. And actually, if you can empower the client to have, a, it sounds terrible, but empower them to have a positive experience so they go off and tell their friends how great it was, then actually you're helping your client and it shouldn't be as stressful as it is a lot of the time. And I think that that is because the solicitor is the main person. And the way I've always described my job is that I have to put together a jigsaw puzzle and I don't, all the pieces come to me from different places. So I have a survey, I have a mortgage offer, I have searches, I have contract documents. All of those things come from different places I have to put them all together and I have to make them fit. So if you look at the surveyor's role, the surveyor will say there's a loft conversion. The search comes in and there's a loft conversion so you can tick it off. And it's making all those pieces fit to then be able to say to the client, here's the finished jigsaw puzzle and the last piece is you moving. And when you move, that's it. But I don't think that a lot of lawyers, without being disparaging to them, sort of realize that they just have to pull it all together. And while you're doing that, explain to the client what you're doing, because clients just see it, that it's the lawyer holding it up. Well, we're not holding it up. We're just waiting for a piece of our jigsaw puzzle. And we're dependent on other people and their workloads to make that puzzle fit. Yeah. And so that's how I approach it. I love the analogy of a jigsaw. Because when we look at because it's really about problem solving. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what we're, we're doing. We're providing a service that solves a problem for somebody. And very often we think that we need to travel a path or a road or a route, you know, action plan to get that house purchase. Yeah. The things we need to do and tick off. When actually, you know, when you talk about a jigsaw, the first thing you do when you get a jigsaw out of a box is you do the edges and you do the corners. And that provides you with that framework and space of, of what needs to, to happen. And then within that, you get, you then, when you put your pieces together, you, you put together the bits that match, you know, the, the bits of the tree, the bits of the house, the bits of the sky or whatever. And you then start to get this vision of what it might look like. And that's what we're doing really for, sounds really profound now this, but <laughs> we're helping them create that jigsaw picture of that vision of what it might look like. People think they have a fixed vision of what they're going to look like and what it's going to be like when they move in that home. And, but they don't, but they come to us to help them to, they put their trust in us for us to help them create that, that vision. So I love the, the analogy of a, but I would go further than that as well, because I often say to my clients and I do use the analogy with them. I will also say to them, when they say to me, how long will it take for us to move house? Because actually I've learned over the years that actually all people really want to know is when they pick the keys up and when do they pay the money? So when they say, how long will it be? I say, well, I've got my jigsaw puzzle to make, but actually I've got no pieces in the box and I haven't got a picture. And so it's like, well, I'm starting with nothing to get you to the point where you pay me the money 
and you then go and pick your keys up. But I, I, I can't give you a timescale because I don't know where the pieces are coming from at the moment. The other, because you like analogies, the other analogy I often use with clients, if they say about how long will it take, I will say to them, well, you're getting on the train in Edinburgh. Um, the next person might get on the train in Manchester. And then the next person in the chain of transactions will get on the check on the train in Birmingham. They may get off in Warwick because they've decided that that isn't the house for them. And it's getting to Penzance from Edinburgh and all the interlocking bits in between with people getting in and out of the chain. And that it is the chains that influence. And that to me is where there needs to be a bit more transparency. But that's a different subject. Oh, but yeah, but then you've got things like, I was watching a programme with Joanna Lumley last night about yeah. her travels and she was in, I can't remember if it was Mongolia or China and yeah. the Chancellor of Atlantic Express, I think it is, and they were on one train and then it stopped and they took the wheels off and they put some different wheels on because the tracks yes. had changed. There's yeah. an analogy you could go anywhere, Sarah. It could, it could. <laughs> Let me ask you about referral fees. So one of the things surveyors often do to get work is they will pay an estate agent, if they're, re- they're referred work, they'll pay the estate agent um, a fee. Okay. And sometimes there are issues with that in that obviously it's got to be transparent and the customer needs to know, but then there's a bit of confusion over who should really tell the customer. Is it the estate agent? Is it the surveyor? For me, that makes a lot of customers worry about transparency and trust uh, and, and mm. what's, uh, what's going on. For me, I think a lot of surveyors actually should build more relationships with conveyances and solicitors because actually you do refer work as well. Do you pay or do you charge referral fees? Is that included or is it more a case of you know someone, you might trust them, you, you, know, you, you pass the referral on? Referral fees is really big yeah it's a it's a it's to some extent it's a bit of a bugbear of mine because obviously working on the high street I know the the conveyancing firms local to me that pay referral fees and I have ongoing debates with some of them who who I know you know the head of conveyancing in those firms very very well Um, and I would say think things about referral fees sort of distorts the market slightly. So in relation, that's in relation to the conveyancing state agent side. I don't believe in paying referral fees because I think that if you're good, you should get recommendations, just word of mouth recommendations. And that's the way that I've always worked, that all of my work is word of mouth. So if you Googled me, you would I don't have a website. I don't have a sign over my door. Nobody knows where I am. And I know I'm very, very lucky to do that. And there's only me. So it's quite easy to do it. So I don't pay referral fees because I would hope that there's the old fashioned relationship of I will recommend somebody to you and you would recommend somebody to me if needed. But actually from where I'm sitting, I imagine that I would be recommending surveyors far more than they would recommend me because they're in the process later as it were. And that's fine. And I'm happy to do that. If I get somebody or a few people who I trust and I know that the clients have liked them and if we build up a good rapport, I'm happy to recommend. And that's the key to sales and marketing. Know, like and trust. And for all of the different sales and marketing techniques out there, the one that will always, always work is word of mouth. 
Yeah, you're only as good as your last job. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the tips at VA I was talking to recently, a virtual assistant who works with surveyors, and it's something we've been talking about on our, um, I run a surveyor hub mastermind, where I sort of take people through a small business sort of coaching program. The next one is starting again in September, I'm pleased to say. But we've been talking uh, about that. And, and the VA sort of said to me, one of the things that she does is when they book the appointment, they always get the details of the conveyancer so that when they send the report to the client, they also send it to their conveyancer and legal advisor. And what that also does, one, it's helpful. So you would you would get it, there's no delay. But also it means that that conveyancer now has the name of a surveyor who covers that area and they've got work passed through through that. So it's all just really simple, building relationships, being helpful and being able to get that, you know, that word of mouth. If you say you don't, you don't sort of go out there and advertise yourself as such, when you say you're on the high street, does that mean you actually have a shop on the high street? (laughs) I have offices above a shop on the high street. So sort of pretty much what you would call a traditional solicitor's firm, but they're quite nice offices. You know, people come up and they go, oh gosh, we didn't expect this. And I joke to my children that I could live here in the future. Yeah, because to be honest... To be honest, Sarah, saying that you work on the high street. Could yeah, okay. <laughs> Not that sort of soliciting, no. One other thing I wanted to ask you about was technology. Now, out of all of those working in the home buying and selling sector, I think it's fair to say surveyors and conveyancers, solicitors. See, this is why I asked you what you call yeah. yourself. Conveyancers yeah. are sort of seen as those lagging behind in terms of technology and speed of transactions and doing everything on paper. I think whatever works for you, works for you. And we, But we've got to think about, there are some things that really could be improved by technology. If you think about land registry searches, you know, getting online. And it's always, for me, it's always got to be a, a, a balance um, of things. How do you feel about technology in your side of the fence on your industry? I think it has a place. I've got a really good case management system. So it pre-populates forms and does the completion statement. And if I would put your details in there and had another transaction with you, just type in Marion and it would come up with your details automatically, your email, phone numbers, everything. And that then in turn links to the LAM registry. So I can download searches from their portal, which is pretty much instantaneous for most properties. And it also links to the HMRC website for stamp duty. So it just channels through the documents necessary to get the stamp duty certificate on completion. Off the back of that, it means that I can run a pretty much paper light office and it enables me to work from home as well because it's a cloud-based system. I can just log on at home on holiday, wherever I am, get my emails. They're all in the same place and it's all channeled through this case management system. And I used it for about 15 years and I have to say I would not be without it. It did mean that when we went into lockdown, although I could still come to the office because I worked on my own, I could just work from home quite easily. And I think what I found interesting at that time was the number of conveyancing firms that weren't set up to work remotely. And there was a bit of a mild panic about how they were all going to do it. And hats off to them, the majority of them were able to set themselves up from home and work. 
So I know that I'm probably a bit unusual in the way that I work, working on my own and having only a bookkeeper. I don't have a secretary or anybody. So I know that that's unusual, but it works for me. And But I, I think the case management system is a bit like a secretary because it does all the forms for me. I don't have to ask anybody to type it. What was your original question about that? <laughs> I started thinking was, about case management. It was it was about technology. technology. And yeah. then the fact that a lot of conveyances, or, or we hear a lot of sort of property lawyers, you know, so, so for my part, I used to run a department that dealt with queries post-valuation. And a typical one would be something to do with boundaries. They'd ask the surveyor to check the boundary and it would come through on a fax or black and white screenshots, you know, and actually it was a, you can't, so you can't tell where the red line was or whatever. And there's some old school people out there, yeah. you know, but is, so I guess so my question is, are conveyances a bunch of old dinosaurs <laughs> or some not? Are, some are. <laughs> um, I sort of think I've probably embraced it. So if I had a query like that about a boundary, I know that I've got a plan, a coloured plan in my system I don't send contract documents to the buyer's solicitor by post. It's all scanned through. So the original documents that the clients give me, their fittings form and property information form, I scan it into the system and it keeps it there. And I can then just email it on and I've still got the original, which is how I can be paper light. I think you probably have like those who try and embrace it to make their lives easier and realize that I don't think conveyances could ever be paperless because I don't think we could, but just trying to reduce the amount of paper and embrace all the different technology that's out there. So obviously the land registry is pretty much digitized anyway, so being able to use that. Yeah, I think there are some conveyances or solicitors who would prefer having lots of paper. I guess there's something comforting and tangible about yes, I agree with that. where things yeah. are. You've got to have a lot of trust in your computer and your system. And there is only me. So I can try, if it goes to the wrong place, it's my fault. And I think that's the other part of it. I can trust that I know how to use the system properly. I think conveyances try, they try to be up with um, email. I mean, we get, I don't know about you, so many emails every day. And um, I think you going back to ana- analogies, I think emails are probably the one thing that conveyances struggle with. It's like somebody standing on the other side of the desk, throwing bits of paper at you randomly throughout the day and demanding you deal with it straight away because it, they just seem just to come all the time. There's no, like, it's lunchtime. There's not going to be any emails for an hour. You just get as consistent. And I think that's a real struggle. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's the same for lots of small businesses or people who work for themselves. And it's all about the rules that you put in place, the discipline you have. So some of the things that we've, we've talked about on the mastermind are knowing your strengths, you know, so if you're not very good at your filing and your tech, you can get other people to do that for you. Exactly. You know, yeah, where exactly. you can spend so much time, time doing that. Putting in rules and, and just boundaries. So making sure that you, you let your clients know when you're available to talk. And perhaps different for surveyors, you know, they are out during the day. Yeah, exactly. You know, physical challenges, the whole sort of being up a ladder and taking a phone call type of thing. You know, but you can get someone else to answer your phones. But don't you, know, you think you it's can... also about educating your client as well? So I say to my clients, don't email me and then ring me 10 minutes later to check I've received the email. I'll deal with the email and I'm, you know, I try and be really good at dealing with emails so they don't have to ring me. But there is that 
immediate response that a lot of clients want. They know they're not the only client, but they forget. You know, do you know that? They do, but it's also trust and confidence. You know, they yes. want to know that you're on it and you're, and you're dealing with it. And that's, that's the same for, for surveyors. But what, exactly. what customers want is some rules for success. Yeah. So letting them know how it's going to happen and how you work and exactly, yeah. filling that promise. So saying, you know, I'll be available between three and six and being available between three and six. We don't have to jump, you know, whenever the, the customer calls and, and things, we can put rules in and uh, and be be firm with them, you know. So, um, see, there's a lot we have in common, isn't there? There, there, you is, know, like, yeah, yeah. there is. Yeah. Look at us. <laughs> I know. One thing I've uh, I got involved in last year for the first time was actually being an awards judge at conveyancing awards. I've been involved in awards for a couple of years now. I find it fascinating. I've done customer experience. I'm doing Young Surveyor of the Year Award, done the conveyancing ones. I did a property journalism one uh, this year that's been delayed because of COVID. But it's really interesting because you get a different insight into you know, it's a related sector, but sort of slightly different approach. And on the subject of sort of technology, one of the, the categories I, I, I judged, they, they had like a, a, a innovation. They had to fill out an innovation section. And a lot of it was just pretty obvious. Customer relationship. You mentioned your CRM system, yeah. an email automated sequence. Yes. You know, some of it was so basic that I think that we can really overthink why, th- overthink what innovation means i was actually thinking about uh, i've been trying to encourage surveyors to go for young surveyor of the year award i think the deadline will close by the time this uh, podcast goes out but one of the categories i think is always difficult is valuation and innovation in valuation because as a, a jobbing residential surveyor you're out there doing the job it's not very often you actually get involved in some of the big projects that will change our industry but there are lots of things that we can do and, and that we are doing and we we overthink quite a lot of it have you been involved in any industry awards or anything like that interesting yes i have so the law society have their excellence awards every year and about three or four years ago i was a judge for the conveyancing quality scheme which is a law society accreditation for conveyancing firms so that was interesting like you said just seeing how what firms do and I actually then did the mystery shopper thing on the firms that had uh, applied, well, put their uh, nominations in just to see because actually what you put on paper, it's an like we said, it's an experience and you could have like make so much money and be doing everything right on paper, but if the client rings up and can't get doesn't get to speak to somebody and or you don't get the email that you're promised, is that? conveyancing quality. So I think my either I had two other judges. I think they were a bit surprised when I volunteered to do it. And I absolutely loved it because I pretended that I was buying a leasehold property because I wanted to know whether they told me about leasehold information packs, whether there would be additional fees at the end. You know, I had a script as to what I wanted to be told, which is what I tell my clients. And it was really interesting in how different sometimes I didn't actually get to speak to anybody and nobody called me back. So that was interesting. And I've also been nominated. I won some solicitor award for Solly Hall about 
15 years ago. And also I was nominated for Sole Practitioner of the Year for the Law Society Excellence Awards and shortlisted two years ago. But you see that Sole Practitioners is quite a wide ranging definition, like we've already said about solicitor lawyer, because sole practitioners practice in so many different areas of law. So I didn't win, but maybe next time. So I should have introduced you as Sarah Dwight, award nominating. No, no, no. I've got it on my letterhead though. Do you know what? And I think it's something that a lot of surveyors should be doing is entering local business awards. You know, Chamber of Commerce Awards. Yeah, great yeah. way to network and meet with meet yeah. people. And I tend to work more nationally, which is a bit sort of different. But when you're working in a local area and working in a local community, you know, getting involved in all of those things, that's where you get your word of mouth referrals. You know, you don't have to worry about Facebook, LinkedIn, your website, all of those things. You know, you just get... Funny about the Facebook thing, because I get a lot of work through Facebook. So there's a local group, Solihull Mums and Dads, and I'm assuming that most areas have their own sort of Facebook Mums and Dads groups. And I'm on there in my married name. And every so often somebody will say, does anybody know a good conveyancer? And I think, oh, I wonder who they're going to recommend. And I'm always slightly aghast when people recommend me on there, because I'm sitting there as a mum, and I forget that actually that's my job. So I'm like, I wonder who they recommend in the area. And I think there was one, there were 24 comments of which 20 were for me. And I was like, oh my goodness. So check out my Facebook page. (laughs) Give me a like. So being a professional, like I am, do you often get people, the public or friends asking you, Sarah, can I just ask? Because I often, and I've had it this morning, do you know a builder in Margate? Well, I don't. Do <laughs> I don't. No, I do not. No. <laughs> I live in Leighton Buzzard, miles away from yeah. North Wales. I don't know any builders anywhere. But we are, I often get sort of asked questions oh. like that. Do you get asked? Can I just About ask? About other trades, do you mean? Well, just like, what kind of queries do you get from people? Uh, I, will, I will say that just being a conveyance for a moment, what is, what, one of the best sources of business I ever had was actually my children and the school gates because I think I acted for one couple who, like one set of parents, and then obviously they all talked to each other. And then that was quite interesting because then those are the sort where you can network at school gates. I think that's a really good place to sort of meet different business owners or whatever. I often get, I often get asked about builders. I often get asked about roofers for some reason. And I've got, my husband is, his parents Irish. Um, uh, the area of Birmingham I am, I'm in is sort of predominantly Irish, uh, old Irish. And so he knows everybody. He went to school here. He knows builders. So if I ever get asked, I know that I can just go home and ask him and he'll know somebody who does something that can help. Yeah. So that's quite a nice thing. There's a, there's a balance just there be of, of being known as the go-to for, yeah. for, for Irish builders in this yeah, world. Exactly. and you know being known for, for what you do so just yeah. a final sort of uh, question and sort of bringing yes. this conversation back around to surveyors what kind of queries do you deal with and that you might need to refer back and what do you think surveyors could help you more with 
Oh, that's a good question. I did put one on the hub at the weekend and lots of people commented. So that was really, I'm really grateful to that. That was about right uh, a public footpath. So that was something I'd come across a few times, but uh, not recently. I'm always really interested in when building regulations should have been obtained because I think that the public aren't aware if you need it for the removal of internal walls or the removal of chimney breasts. So I would always want to discuss that with the uh, surveyor to see if there was any, you know, if it, I don't know what you put in the roof space to make sure the chimney breast doesn't cause an issue. So those are the sorts of practical things that I would go back to a surveyor with. Does that sort of answer it? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's, do you have many queries on mortgage valuations? No, because we don't get to see them. So, yeah, we don't. So, you know, and that's the other thing I will always say to my clients, if you get a copy of the valuation, send it to me because I don't get it. But a lot of the lenders now, you don't get anything. I think the Halifax, you, you might. Nationwide, you don't. Santander, you do. But there, it's a bit hit and miss. But they don't want the lawyer or the client to rely on that, do they? Because it's not for their benefit. It's for the only in case they ever have to repossess it. They want to be sure that it's worth what they're, they're lending. And I guess there's a you know, there's case law around a lot, a lot of that. So interesting times. And I think it's important to decouple the mortgage valuation and the survey there for different purposes produced by Daphne, Definitely. you know, yeah. uh, companies, etc. So... Sarah, it's been really good to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, you're welcome. Anytime. Oh, that's super. You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast. We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com. Listener.